0: Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for uh, another day, another chance we have to worship you and come into your house and find encouragement and hope in life. Uh, Father, I'm reminded over and over again of how good you are. Even in the midst of difficult circumstances. You know, we've talked about fear this last weekend, God, and it's, it's so hard to trust in this world but your word is so clear that you are one worth trusting and there's no reason for us to fear anything in this world because you are there with us and you are our guide you are our protector you will provide for us and you will give us life and father I ask that you would always remind us of that remind us of the reality that no matter what the world throws our way, that you're always there. And you love us. And as we look toward the manger this weekend, and we begin to celebrate uh, your plan of redemption through your Son, I just pray that we will keep our eyes focused on you and not get distracted by the things of the world. That we would truly see and celebrate. Celebrate the gift that you've given. And Father, I pray we would in turn give ourselves back to you. And Father, in the next few minutes as we read your word and we seek to draw understanding from what Paul is speaking here. I just pray that your spirit would join us and that you would deliver your message to your people. Father, as we love on our friends and our loved ones, Father, our fellow church members who are hurting, those who are struggling, those who are facing difficult circumstances, Father, just give us the margin to love. Father, give us the words to say and give us the right time to say them. Show us when to reach out to our friends. And Father, I would just pray that you would equip us to be your hands and feet as we engage with the world around us every day. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Alright, Philippians chapter 2. Let's start in verse 19. Here in this section, this is really a portion of this letter that if you're a scholar, it's one that where you you think, well we can just get rid of this because it has nothing to do with us. You read the whole rest of the this letter to the Philippian church and you find out that there's so much good scripture here and content. You know, this is a book where you can just open the page and point to a verse and it's something that's going to apply to your life. Except for this section. And so you wonder why Paul even put this in here. The rest of the book is worth memorizing, except for this section. And you wonder what in the world Paul is doing here. So let's read it. Let's read this. I'm not saying this, but I think some would say worthless portion of the letters. Look at verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered of news of you. So here we have in this section, and we'll get to the end of it here in a minute. In this section, we've got Paul's travel log. We have captain's log, date, whatever, whatever. And Paul's sharing his plans and the way he's going to communicate. It's so boring, is it not? But he's got a reason for sharing this. Paul here is showing the importance of communication. He's telling the people his plans and even giving things thanksgiving to them for being a partner with him in ministry. So as we read this section, we really, you can't really just portion it out. You've got to go back to chapter 2, verse 3. This says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Here's this great passage, this great verse worth memorizing. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Verse 4, each of you look not only on his own interests, but also on the interests of Others, And that's kind of where Paul's pushing us with this section. This priority of putting Christ first above self. This section is, has nothing spectacular in it. But it's the faithfulness in the content that is incredible. So let me ask you a question. How many of you had a spectacular day today? Can anyone characterize their day as spectacular? What about ho-hum? It's just kind of another day. Anyone there? Grateful? grateful? I mean, it's kind of the... You get to this point of the year and you just... Let's just put one foot in front of the other, right? That's a great Christmas movie that sings... Isn't that a Christmas movie that sings that song? You just put one foot in front of the other and soon you'll be... Anyone know the rest of it? Walking across the floor. You put one foot in front of the other, and soon you'll be walking out the door. That's just kind of how we feel during these days. And that reminds me of this section of Scripture. Because the reality is the majority of our life is spent in the ho-hum, right? The everyday, mediocre life. You ever feel that way? Like, my life is not worth anything today. Did I do anything productive today? Did I make an impact on the world today? Sometimes we think that, don't we? But what Paul is sharing with us here is the everyday routine and the rhythms of your everyday life, even in your travel logs or your planning to visit someone, is incredible. And that's where ministry takes place. Uh, I, I heard Ben sharing a minute ago about his plans to travel over the holidays, and I've talked to all of our staff where if they plan to go anywhere, especially out of state, what are your plans to stay safe? How do you plan on coming back and making sure you're not going to infect us with anything? You know? But the reality is our plans are important. And our everyday lives matter even when they are not spectacular. And that's something we can lean into in this section of scripture. Faithful Christian service takes place in the mundane activities of everyday life like you can have a mediocre day and still win for Jesus. Doesn't that make you feel good? So here let's look. Let's 19 through 24. Let's just kind of soak in these verses. How does Paul describe Timothy in this section? His goal is to send Timothy to the church. In verse 19 says, "So who will be encouraged?" Who's going to receive the encouragement from Timothy going to visit the church? It's Paul. Not the church. I hope to send Timothy so that I, too, may be cheered of news of you. He's not interested here in this moment of sending Timothy to cheer the church. Paul wants encouragement to hear about the church. It's part of his goal in sending Timothy. And then he kind of shares a little context about this brother. In Paul, verse 20, he describes Timothy as... Unique, right? There is no one like Timothy. And he is concerned for you. He is a good dude. Because unlike the others, and remember earlier when we studied this section, Paul had some rivals, right? We see that in earlier, the advancing of the gospel, and really in the face of those who were preaching out of envy and rivalry. But here, Paul is planning to send Timothy to the people. And they can trust Timothy. Because Timothy's unique and he's really concerned about other people. And he doesn't care about his own interests, but he really wants to please Jesus and serve the church. And Paul's just sharing in verse 22, Timothy has worth and value and really describes him as a son with a father as they serve together. So we see here that Timothy has proven his faith in his service to the church alongside of Paul. He's someone worth trusting, someone who can help, someone who serves out of compassion, not to make a name for himself, but to serve the interests of others. You know, it sounds like the kind of person you would want to follow. You know, we we could all get into politics here and talk about what kind of person do you want to lead our country or even our state, but that's kind of the kind of people we look at, right? People who don't have skin in the game, that aren't going to just further their own agenda, but really look out. After the interests of others. And I think we would all like to hope that our leaders do that. But sometimes we wonder, right? We wonder if they even care about us or listen to us. But Paul's saying Timothy is not like that. Let me flip that on its head and ask it another way. What kind of leader are you? As Christ's ambassador to this world, what kind of person, what kind of reputation do you have before other people? Are you more like one of these rival teachers of the gospel, or are you more like Timothy, who is selfish and compassionate and loving and helpful? Verse 23 tells us, he, he, he hopes to send him as soon as he sees what, how it will go with me. So Paul still has a reason to keep Timothy close, but he wants to send him soon. That's interesting. I mean, it's, it's really interesting that Paul would even say that. Here, Paul is showing, yeah, I don't think it's selfishness. Because we could interpret it that way. Because he's saying, okay, I'm going to send Timothy and I need to send Timothy. But not yet because he's still helping me. Because I still need him. And that could be interpreted in a selfish way. But really he's showing this guy has incredible value for the kingdom. And he works hard with me. He's proven his worth through trials and tribulations. He's like a son to me. But I trust God's going to get us through this. And I will send him shortly, and then I will come as well. What an incredible friend Paul finds with Timothy. And let's keep reading verse 25. I have thought it necessary, now we've got another one, to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and and minister to my need. Here we see Paul delaying to send Timothy, but instead he sends... He sends someone else. He knows the church needs the connection. And so while Timothy is helping Paul, he sends another brother. He sends Epaphroditus. Now that word is a mouthful. That Epaphroditus should jog your memory, especially if you understand any kind of ancient literature or text. The, the name Epaphroditus is a derivative uh, from the Greek goddess Epaphrodite. So what we learn from just his name alone is that Paul is sending most likely a Gentile convert, what we would term as an idol worshiper that had converted to Christ and had began to serve the church under Paul. And Paul sends this brother and he provides identification. So just like Timothy, who labeled him a brother, compassionate fellow worker, we see this description of Epaphroditus. And how does he describe him? He gives him quite a few labels. He calls him a brother. He has a new identity, right? He was a Gentile and now he is a Christ follower. Completely different than Paul, but Paul adopts him into his family and he becomes a brother. And then he calls him a fellow worker or co worker and fellow soldier. So not only is this Gentile convert a brother of Paul, but he's also a co-worker with Paul. Now think about that for a minute. Because some of us, I think, from time to time think, I don't fit the bill. ever, you ever thought that about yourself? I don't measure up. I don't look like them. I don't maybe look like I should or act like I should. But here we see this Gentile who is named after a Greek goddess. Not only be labeled as Paul's brother, but Paul's co-worker. Think of that. As a co-worker of Paul. An equal in the ministry with Paul. But not only that, he's a fellow soldier. So here we see this man that identifies with Paul, even though he's a Gentile. An idol worshiper that came to faith in Jesus. We see a brother, an equal in the ministry, but also a soldier in the mission of God. But he doesn't stop there. He keeps going. He's a messenger and minister to the church at Philippi. Paul was sending Epaphroditus to deliver a message of love and service to the church. So just, let's just pause for just a second. Think about this. Because this is a mundane section of Scripture that we want to glance over quickly and get to the other good stuff that matters. And in this section, Paul goes into deep detail on two individuals, Timothy and Epaphroditus, and how they're essential to the work of the gospel, as he shares this travel log. So think about those descriptions. And you guys already identified the fact that you your lives aren't anything special. That's what we... Uh, we said earlier, right? We're just normal people living normal lives. And sometimes our lives are boring. So let me ask you this. How would other people describe you? Or how will you be remembered to the world around you? We see these two men who have incredible value to the kingdom. And Paul is sharing their not just their contributions but really their essential function to this mission here as Paul's trying to communicate with these churches. It just kind of leaves me to wonder that even though in the everyday rhythms of life that I live, how would other people describe me? Or how would I want other people to look at me? As a brother or sister? As a fellow worker? Soldier? A messenger or minister? I'm not equipped or I'm not called. Well, well, you kind of are. If you're a Christian, If you're a Christ follower, I'm not a Paul. My name's just Timothy. But Timothy is an equal partner in this process. It's just, there's just so much good stuff here. Verse 26, For he has been longing for you. Now, this guy, Epaphroditus, this Gentile idol worshiper that Paul is sending, he's like, You know, in sports you have your A team and then you have your B team, right? Unless you're Alabama and it doesn't matter. Like, I saw, today's National Sighting Day, so I saw a picture of an Alabama commit and the, the 17 year old kid looked like he was 35, you know? I mean, he's a big guy. So, I mean, generally speaking, you have your A team that plays, you have your B team that may get in a little bit, And then you have like your practice squad guys that just help the good players get better, that never see the field. Well, just think of this. Paul can't make it to Philippi. And he wants to send Timothy. So we've got Paul's the A team, right? Timothy's maybe the B team. Even though Paul throughout is calling them equals in ministry. But Timothy can't go yet because Timothy's still doing some work. So he's going to send the practice squad, Epaphroditus, to visit them. And here we go. Epaphroditus is an incredible man, a brother, coworker, soldier, messenger, minister. Verse 26, he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. So we find out something more about this man. He's got a health problem. He was sick. And he really wanted to go visit them, so even the practice squad is having trouble getting there. He's longing to be there, but he's been distressed. We find out that he was sick. He was so sick, verse 27, that he he almost died, right? He was ill, he was near to death. But God had mercy on him and really rescued him from the clutches of death. But we learn in verse 26 that Epaphroditus was in distress. And why was he in distress? Not because he was sick, but because the church heard that he was sick. Now we know how that feels, don't we? (laughs) I mean, we're there, right, with illness, and we we can stress other people out. That's why I don't like to tell anybody that I'm ever sick. Because I know how my parents, my family, you know how people react. You know, it kind of makes people panic. Rachel's Rachel and I are real bad about that because when something happens to me like it's got to be like I've got to be in big trouble before I go to the hospital you know what I'm saying like if I'm just not feeling good I'm not going to say anything until it gets to where I can't walk and then we get a big problem because I don't want her to worry about things and that's where that's where Epaphroditus he wants to go visit but he's sick and it causes him distress not because he's ill and about to die But because it's causing an issue for this Philippian church. What a selfless attitude. And here we see verse 27. God had mercy on him and on Paul so that he was not filled with sorrow. It's incredible the the way that priorities are spelled out here in this section of scripture. This mundane section. That word distress is used another time in scripture. Any guesses on where it's used? It's used right here in the book of Philippians. The letter to the church at Philippi. And one other time. It's in a gospel. Any guess? In the garden of Gethsemane. Where Jesus is distressed. Epaphrodite's illness was so serious that he was near death. And his recovery was due to what? No vaccine. The mercy of God. The mercy of God. And here we see Paul's gratitude. You guys just said that word about our daily life. Gratitude, not just for himself, but Epaphroditus and the church. Which leads me to another question before we read the last couple of verses. Even in our mundane life, has God shown mercy to you today? Sometimes we might not see it. Sometimes we might not understand it. But I think God is merciful every day. It may happen in an interaction like my wife called me and said I almost got hit today by a car that wasn't paying attention. Or it could be something that we just completely sidestep and avoid with unknowingly where God is merciful and provides for our needs. Maybe we even suffer, but God still is merciful and withholding the full brunt of the law, what we really deserve. You know, we see that in the garden where Adam and Eve deserved death. But God spared them and showed them mercy. All right, verse 28. We'll finish up. Paul says, I am am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete that what was lacking in your service to me just i mean the perspective here from paul and timothy and epaphroditus is all on the church and the work of jesus and it has absolutely nothing to do with their own that self-interest self-preservation base level needs i mean we have this the distress we have this illness and then paul shares verse 28 anxiety It's not personal anxiety, but it's anxiety over the situation because he desperately wants to communicate with the church, to spread joy, and to further the gospel together. And the inability to do that causes him anxiety. So here Paul commands the church to welcome him and receive him, to honor him, and to further the kingdom together. And I'll ask the last question. How can we honor God's servants? I mean, there's so much good stuff here in this mundane Scripture. So let me reiterate a couple in these sections, and then we'll close. The value of the everyday life, the impact of just a travel log that Paul shares, listing a couple of names and talking about how they want to visit. We learn, or we're challenged by a few questions. Paul really brings to the forefront of our minds the need for us to evaluate what kind of friend are we. As a friend of God... Or a fellow worker of the gospel, how do we really make an impact for the kingdom together? What kind of name are we making for ourselves in this world? How will people remember us? Question three, how has God shown us mercy? And really, finally, how do we honor the, those who work for the kingdom? I mean, those are some, really some questions for us to ponder from this section of Scripture. And really find hope and encouragement and peace. It encourages me because I get, you know, we get in the ruts and routines of everyday life. And we think, oh, I'm doing this, but it's not making a big difference. But the reality is somebody's always watching. Somebody is. Maybe your neighbor, maybe a friend, maybe a family member that just checks in on you every now and then. But somebody's watching. And the truth here is there's such incredible work to be done in the church. It's worth the effort <laughs> to get here. I mean that's Paul's here showing the priority of visiting and gathering as a community and worshiping together, finding encouragement. And that that values just rises to the top here in this section. And so we should make the effort to really invest, not just in the kingdom, but in the church, in the body, as we honor one another and spread the gospel. So that's just what a great section of Scripture. We'll pick up, I guess, in January and try to finish this out first couple of weeks, and then we'll move on from there. So let me pray for us, and then we'll be dismissed. Father God, I thank you so much for the day you've given us and the chance that we have to read your word. And Father, even these sections, there's so many... I think passages that we can pull out of the, the Bible and we ask, why in the world did you include this? We read lists in the Old Testament. And we read r- rules and regulations and we read, read genealogies and th- then we read bridge sections in the New Testament. Not just in the Gospels, but the letters. And we wonder, w- what in the world is going on and why do I need to read this? Uh, but, Father, as we do and as we just allow the Word to just simmer in our minds, Father, Your Spirit speaks. And I pray, I pray that as we continue to study the Word, that You would you would cause us to just pause and listen. And, Father, that Your Spirit would speak to us through Your Word and give us Your message, and we would understand really a deeper way to follow. We would understand how You work in our everyday lives even in those mundane routines that we practice day in and day out, how they matter to the kingdom and how we interact with those that we interact with regularly and really the need for us to fight for community. So Father, I thank you for this section and I thank you for the chance that we've had tonight to just kind of look it over and I pray that it will continue to simmer in our minds and, and Father, that we would be able to recall these significant sections as we live and find encouragement from them. So may your word continue to speak. And Father, like so many things in this world, I pray that it would just stick in our minds. And Father, be right there when we need it. So Father, guide us as we go and continue to work on us and draw us close to you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.